Hello and welcome to episode 52 of The Worst Critics, where we talk to you about the latest and sometimes not so greatest in movies, music, television, and more. As always, I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pino. And let's get straight to the news. Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer biopic has cast Emily Blunt as Oppenheimer's wife. Uh, this might sound familiar to you because Emily Blunt and Killian Murphy started together in Quiet Place Part 2. So, Quiet Place Part 2 reunion. Here we go. Moving on, Ryan Gosling has... But Quiet Place 2, you can listen to on episode 34 of The Worst Critics. So wow, thank you, you for that, on that accurate like, statistic. Uh, we like that movie, don't we? It was okay? Yeah. Yeah, I think we I think we gave it generally positive reviews. I don't think we said it was as innovative as one, but you know, if you want to hear the full take, I mean, no, you can just re-listen to it on episode thirty-four. Wow, good to know. I'll go do that right now. Just kidding. Ryan Gosling is set to play Ken in Margot Robbie's new Barbie movie for Mattel Hasbro. I don't know who's doing this. Whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess if you're gonna have a Ken, Ryan Gosling is the would be the guy I would think to play that. You know, nope. you ready for this? I know it's controversial. You want Michael Chris B. Pratt? Jordan. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I don't think that's too controversial. Well, I think they really want to have a whited out OG Barbie Ken movie, and that would be the controversy. You're ruining my favorite childhood toy. You can't make it black. Ugh. The Ken lore has been destroyed, John. Okay, has <laughs> <Ken laughs> been destroyed. Even In though the Barbie anything, cinematic universe, <laughs> the Barbie mythos is as long and strong as the Marvel mythos. Okay, you, you would know that if you're a true fan. Yeah, honestly, I need to step it up. Moving on, Amelia Clark and Chiwetel Ejiofor have been cast in a new movie, The Pod Generation. It is about a couple that has a chance to use a new tool developed by a tech giant, Pegasus, which offers couples the opportunity to share pregnancy on a more equal footing via detached bar artificial wombs and or pods. That was with air quotes. That's hot. Yeah, uh, I guess I get it, you know? I mean, how, I just, you know? Is it just like... If it's done in the same, I guess, style or... Um with like the same motifs as what was that movie that came out last year where the woman just basically kills a bunch of men? Uh, what? It's, got, uh, it, it, it's like a very, it was like in the, in light of the Me Too movement and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? No. Hold on. No, I don't. It wasn't a bunch of stuff. It has uh, Bo Burnham in it. Oh, Promising Young Woman. Yeah, promising young woman. If How is this, this related? Because if this is about like putting men down and making them go like, dude, you have no fucking idea what a woman has to go through. I'm all in. I but just, if it's more yeah. like, here's a wholesome future sci-fi family movie, I'm like, you can blow me. Maybe not a family movie, but I was assuming it was more of a just a bland um, old sci-fi drama that we're going to maybe like or maybe not like you know uh, i don't see this being a award winner or anything though i bet this is how boring the log line for like her looked yeah if it could do hers tone yeah. that'd be good that'd right. be good. like man falls in love with a phone and you're like shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah uh get joaquin on board you know i i, I wouldn't oppose it but uh yeah moving on brendan fraser has been cast to play the antagonist in the new Batgirl movie is reportedly going to be Firefly, you know, the dude with the flamethrower and the jetpack. Uh, but apparently Sylvester Stallone was the first choice. And after he turned it down, we got Brendan Fraser. So 
I mean, I'm in. Like, I was going to watch this movie no matter what because it's a Max original. So, Brendan Fraser, he's he kills it on Doom Patrol. Not really going to, you know, not, not going to dissuade me from watching this movie. But I mean, He's a good actor, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I want to watch this movie. The Fraser sans, dude. It's upon us. The Brendan Fraser sans. It doesn't really work as like, well. I just like that he went from like super hot fucking what's his name? Uh, was it George of the Jungle? Yeah, he was George of the Jungle. Yep. Yeah, and then boom, he's like fat, wholesome Brendan yep. Fraser. Yeah. And it's it's a nice turnaround. It's a nice uh, it's a nice look for him. Yeah, you know, I you know, I'm into it. Like, I I wish uh, other actors who you know had their heyday got another chance to do this, have a you know a career change, pretty much. But uh, yeah, moving on. John Cleese, Reese Darby, and Jim Jeffries are set to star in the Great Emu War. Uh, the tagline reads, inspired by real events in Western Australia in 1932, when the Australian Army declared war on the country's wild emu population. And lost. I don't really know much about the actual story, but it, I think it's pretty much that, right? I, I, as far as I knew, that's all it was, and I like I don't think it lasted particularly long either. So I'm curious how they're gonna make a full length movie out of it. Like I feel like it was over a period of like just a few days, and they declared the war lost because they realized it wasn't like a worthy effort, not because like they literally lost, you know, hundreds of men against a, a legion of wild emu or something. You're telling me a great emu leader didn't, you know, come <laughs> emerge. from yeah. <laughs> emerge from the bottom of the ranks of the emu civilization. Yeah, and lead the emus to greatness and to victory. It was just the emu janitor and now he works at Emu Harvard, dude. <laughs> to this day there's still a section of Australia that's nothing but emus. Because of their brave, tireless efforts, okay? <laughs> Moving on, Sony Pictures is to make a biopic centered around Ozzy and Sharon Osbourne's marriage. Uh, I think this is kind of interesting because I would have just assumed we'd get an Ozzy biopic. But going at it from a uh, romantic sort of viewpoint or perspective is, you know, it, it's at least a little interesting compared to what we've been getting. Just, you know, straight biopics about rockers and pop stars and all that. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of nice getting a little twist. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that was okay. <laughs> That's about as excited as everybody else is. Okay. Uh, moving on, Robert Eggers, The Northman, is to debut April twenty second, twenty twenty two. It's a Viking movie we've talked about, but I don't know if we had the full cast at the time way back when. So, full cast includes Alexander Skarsgård, Anya Taylor-Joy, Willem Dafoe, Nicole Kidman, Ethan Hawke, and Bjork. Because, uh, Bjork, you know, she acts now, I guess. I, has she always acted? Do you know who that is? Yeah, she's the, she's the artist, Bjork. You I know. don't know that I've ever heard of her. You've heard Icelandic of Bjork. Icelandic singer, Bjork Gjordsmadoftadir. Wow, that was a correct pronunciation if I've ever heard it. Uh no yeah she's she's pretty popular pretty popular uh I've used her as comparison on some things we've reviewed in the past year or so uh, no way no way what no way I've never heard this name in my life yeah you have okay <laughs> we can go Not back you, to the you, records someone get an intern on this listen to every episode find the reference to Bjork all fifty two episodes yeah. I might have made it when uh, we were listening to Portishead. 
I might have I might have made that comparison. Well, you know what? You go listen to every single episode and come back and to she's me. She's been in a few movies. One's uh, Juniper Tree. One's Dancer in the Dark. One is Drawing Restraint Nine, and the other is The Northman coming up. Wow, busy busy schedule. Is she like Lady Gaga, where she's like, yeah, fuck being an artist anymore and. Just no, active. that was uh, 1990, 2000, 2005, and 2022. Oh, pretty sporadic then. Okay. Uh, yeah, moving on to some reboot sequel news. Universal's Wolfman reboot, or Wolfman reboot. Uh, yeah, starring... well, from here on out, known as Wolfman. Yeah, it, it's about a mild-mannered accountant named James Wolfman. Uh, no, uh, their Wolfman reboot, starring Ryan Gosling, has found its director in Derek C. in France. Uh, they previously worked together on Blue Valentine and Place Beyond the Pines. I... I don't know if I ever watched Place Beyond the Pines. I think I heard some mixed reviews about that movie. Same. And that turned and I me off. I ended up watching it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that, that was like him and Bradley Cooper and uh, Dane DeHaan. There was a, I think there was a pretty big cast on that one. But yeah, it was a bank robbery movie. I don't know. I don't, whatever. They are reuniting for the new Wolfman reboot. And that's, of course, part of Universal's new wave of monster reboots, monster verse, whatever they want to call it. Yada, yada. Moving on, Dune Part 2 is officially happening. It is due out October 2023. So, got to play now. No, I don't think that works. I don't know if that pun <laughs> works, but okay, I respect it. I respect it. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's almost kind of obvious with how Dune went that we'd be getting a Part 2. Although, you know, you don't know if it's actually going to get produced. Uh, but that is how the movie set it up to happen. Moving on to some renewals and cancellations. The Righteous Gemstones has been renewed for a third season at HBO. This is before a second season has even premiered. So, I don't know, I guess. I did not really care for that first season. It was okay, I guess. It was funny, you know. It had all the all the laugh, laughing people, all those modern comedy actors. But uh, speaking of HBO, Succession has been renewed for a fourth season. And that is after the news that the third season's premiere has set a serious high for viewerships. Uh, you know, that it makes sense. Succession seems to be getting the hype train lately. So, you know, it, it's yes. not exactly a surprise. Succession, that show I know so well that I've definitely heard of. HBO's been pumping out the previews for it. So, I don't, I don't know. I really watch HBO stuff. Uh, I think I, I really think I got one before Dune. See, I accidentally watched it in theaters, and not because I wanted to exactly, but because Daniel wanted to come up, so I watched it with Daniel oh, in theaters. Not really an accident. <laughs> I, I didn't intend on that happening. Oh, I guess so. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah, theatrical. Yeah, well, okay, well, it was on HBO Max, and I'm pretty sure I got a succession thing is all uh, I'm saying. But moving on, the Joan Rivers biopic show that we talked about a month ago, starring Catherine Hall. He knows my little brother. Um, anyway. You didn't need the context. He's actually your boyfriend. Uh, okay. <laughs> He's my boyfriend. See, so it, it, uh, I don't think the context. Little brother. Yeah. All right. The Joan Rivers biopic show that we talked about a month ago, maybe five episodes ago, starring Catherine Hahn, is not moving forward at Showtime. This is because Joan Rivers' life rights were not secured at the time of announcement, which... Can we define what a life right is? Is that like a soul right? Like a Hades deal kind of situation? Yeah, if you ever sold your soul to the devil, you got to take it up with him to make a movie. Uh, And then to God, God has your life rights. You have to 
sue God for the life rights to make a biopic. So it's, it's a it's a lot of red tape, a lot of paperwork. It, it takes a long time, and that's clearly <laughs> yeah. why these producers didn't get those or secure yeah. those. Uh, no, it's actually pretty super dumb that they didn't get the freaking life rights before announcing a show. Um, that means they wouldn't be able to use her actual quotes or her actual jokes or her actual catchphrases that she might have used. So it's like the uh, Jimi Hendrix movie that we got a few years ago starring Andre 3000, and it could not use any Jimi Hendrix music, which is um, pretty pivotal, I would assume, in making a biopic about the man. You're right, about a musician, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that, that show is not moving forward. And last bit of news, James Wan has revealed the canceled Aquaman spinoff The Trench was supposed to be a Black Manta movie starring Yahya Abdul-Mateen, and yeah, thank you. And they, I think we talked about this last week, just just last week, talking about like the DC spinoffs and stuff. So it's kind of weird that James Wan wouldn't just say, hey, it's a Black Manta movie. Uh, it's weird that he called it the trench or that it was a secretive project, but uh, we're never going to get it. So if you want to take it away with the album releases for the week. Oh, I sure do. <clears throat> so we have... A semi-full list, if these things come out, but two of them are TBA, so we'll see. Um, it's obviously probably the big, big two, and one still much larger than the other. We have Ed Sheeran's Equals. Um, it is his fourth studio album, and if at this point you've been following along with Ed Sheeran, like, I don't know, some other six or so billion people on Earth, um, he's done pretty much just all the different math operations so plus oh. minus divide and now oh equals. got it got it um it's gonna be a banger he just did a uh tiny desk uh which i highly recommend there's at least two good songs two of them are ones he's already released at this point and they're just like more acoustic versions but anyway it's equals um the other big release that's worth noting is Megan the Stallion has uh the something for these hotties from the archives. Um so I assume this is going to be like maybe a mixtape, not like an actual LP and it's just going to be a bunch of unreleased music kind of in a um compilation album style or it's a uh, brand new other... album. Sure. The other uh Smaller releases include American rock band The War on Drugs uh, has a new album called I Don't I Don't Live Here Anymore. Um, Limp Biscuit might have a potential album coming out. It is unnamed, but it says it's supposed to release on October thirty first. So question mark about nice. that. Everybody and also John, also John Prine and friends at uh, New Park Folk twenty seventeen. Just a live album from John Prine, probably like one of his last concert, I would imagine. Um. Besides that, that's kind of it for music. Uh, you want to take it away with what you did? Ah, uh, you know, I didn't do a lot. There's nothing new, you know what I'm saying? I didn't, you know, I watched like old TV and rewatched things, but um, I watched Inside Job, that new Netflix animated comedy, adult animated comedy about the Illuminati. Uh, it's it's pretty funny, I guess. It's got that crappy modern art style that nobody likes, but it's it's funny. The jokes are the jokes are a okay. And uh, nice. I, I listened to that new McJenkins song. Then I listened to his other new song that I missed last week or the week before that. Uh, this man, how many songs are we at now? 
not that many. We're not like a ZZ Gibson levels, okay? We're, I feel he's like we're like getting three. close, though. No way. Only three, maybe. Uh, okay, let's 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 check. I see a lot. I see. Oh my god, I see a lot. I see. Break me down. Royal flush. Don't need you. Sleep. Teriyaki. Kill me. Super eight. Truffles. I beg to differ. Moving off the drugs. Got me like young king. Can you tell me? Contact Scotty Pippen. Well, some of those aren't him alone. Like off the oh, drugs. Oh, like features. Jenkins. Yeah, yeah. Off the drugs was Toby. So, yeah, you're gonna have to go through that list and cut it down a little bit. But speaking okay, of Azizi Gibson, like Azizi Gibson hasn't released the song since he said he hasn't, and I'm worried for the man. You know, like. It's kind of crazy that he was releasing a song every three weeks, maybe, and now it's been four or five months. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Uh, oh, wait, no. I also watched that new uh, Bright anime that we talked about, the anime based on Netflix's Bright about the orcs and the right. humans. Yeah. Uh, it's The art style is like, not my favorite whatsoever, but the music is rad. It's some group called Light, L-I-T-E, and they they knock it out of the park. I've never recommended an anime just for the music, but I might honestly just for this because the story is pretty bland, pretty samurai anime bullshit uh, that happens that works. But uh, yeah, that, that's nice. really all I did this week. Did you um? Did you listen to the Maxwell Cream album? No, I didn't. I didn't. I meant to because I I listened to it like a little bit last week. I said you know I listened right. to it like the day of, but I I didn't get to uh, the full listen. Did you listen to the Tyler song? Yeah. Oh, yeah. ASAP song? No. Freddie Gibbs song? No, I did not listen to the Freddie Gibbs song. Crap. Don Tolliver song? No, I, I, I don't have any okay. affinity okay. for well, that. But Freddie Gibbs, I will this week for sure. I would recommend all those. Um. Anyway, so what I did, uh, I listened to Way to the World by Max O'Cream uh, and Friends. I... You have to like Max Cream, but yeah, right. it's good. It's good. It, it's got a plenty of fucking bangers. Plenty of them. Um, I also listened to the new Mick Jenkins song, uh, the new Amine song, Charmander, which I don't know how I feel about. It's somehow Amine, but he's still pushing his sound a little bit. I just don't know that I like where he's going exactly. Um, I don't know the right term for it, maybe, but he was like kind of this like avant-garde pop where he just sounded like no one else like when caroline came out i was like this dude is crazy you know like the production was wild the like hooks were really 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 catchy like classic pop catchy but the music wasn't classic pop in my mind um and then he did the whatever the limbo album and i was yeah. like eh, it's fine i guess but it's nothing special that's what happens once you get money and yeah. this is a step in the right direction, but I still just don't know exactly how I feel about it. So hopefully the project that comes out with this is pretty good. And lastly, uh, the new Easy On Me Adele single. Oh, baby, I'm hyped for this album. Um, I really don't actually like Adele that much. She's a great singer, but the songs I just feel are a little boring. Uh, this song, I don't know. I don't know what it is about me. I think it's like the way that she like goes on these runs and like her pitch just like goes up and down and up and down and up and down, but she's still hitting like every note perfectly. Um, and it's catchy. So I don't know. It's got, it's got a lot of good things going. It can't hurt, you know, catchy never really hurts. 
Right. But uh, I mean, uh-huh. hey, when's that album come out? In what? Early November? In like three? I weeks? think so. Oh, yeah, not not too long from now. So yeah, uh, I, I yeah, I, I'm sure we'll review that album just to give the audiences a. Uh, an idea no probably not i couldn't imagine us doing that <laughs> um <clears throat> as far as things i watched um i started well let's rewind i started and finished wait for it traumatic pause a certain anime you want to guess steinsgate i finished no steinsgate no yes. way cool yeah yes sir um it was pretty solid. It right? did take more episodes than I would have liked to feel like I cared about what was going on. Mm-hmm. And it didn't do the whole, like, you have no idea what's happening. It's, you know, so crazy time travel, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, because really, after you watch Primer, like, nothing will do that for you again. Uh, hold on, hold on. Tangent, tangent. I was on some thread of something about some movie. I don't know. I was reading stuff. And people talking about Tenet blows my mind. People were like, dude, I've watched that movie 20 fucking times. I don't understand what's going on. And I I don't know. Yeah. Did we watch the same movie as some of <laughs> yeah, these Yeah, I figured it, like, almost instant. Like, yeah. I can remember, spoilers for Tenet, by the way. Uh, I can remember the scene, and we may have even talked about it when we talked about the movie, but where he's, like, they're in the airport, you know, doing the heist or whatever, and some masked dude comes and is fighting him, and I was yeah. like, bro, I bet that's one of the two of them from the past, right. or from the future, you yeah. know? I was just like, it's gotta be. And, yeah, I was like, there's nothing confusing about that plot. Primer? I still, I've read <laughs> yeah. the page so many times. I still don't know. Yeah, okay, um, I, I'm sorry, anyway. I just needed to talk I'm about glad, that. I'm glad Steinsgate didn't go that route of, ooh, we're gonna be so trippy and mindfucky with the time travel, and I liked that it was like a short, you know, it's like over two weeks. Mm-hmm. And they just keep going back and fucking it up. And there was the whole, what was it? Um, Mayuri, uh, the little girl that basically he was always trying to save. Yes. Um, and kept failing. Like that little arc was great. Um, and then the him from the future. Uh, there was just a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. Yeah, I told you um, it's some high concept anime. I would say it's it's pretty good. I would give it like seven and a half, eight. I think I that's think. really high for anyone who doesn't know John. I think that's really fucking high. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty high. Yeah, I'm. That's why I'm really interested. I'm still gonna try Doctor Stone here in a couple of weeks. We'll see. I bet you're gonna um, be disappointed. I don't know. I don't know. I usually am, so probably, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, then we did finish um, Love on the Spectrum. Right. Great. Great show i won't stop talking about it uh the finale easily the most beautiful i'm someone who hates one american traditions two human traditions and (laughs) three weddings specifically i mean yeah okay those suck like I hate women taking a man's last name. I hate the yeah, ownership behind it. I hate the Christianity of. I hate also so much. Sucks. About it. <laughs> yeah, you know you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. And the this couple that they've been showing throughout the show, who I guess like met on the first season, and I've not watched the first season. Um, they just followed like their continuing to blossom love, and they had been engaged in the second season. The season finale ends with them their wedding. Uh huh. It's just so wholesome and beautiful and awesome and she's um got like some aboriginal heritage and there was like some 
fucking didgeridoo played and people in like full aboriginal outfit it was just like it was really really cool and beautiful and i was like thank like you know what the problem is with marriage i realized it's white people <laughs> it's white anglo-saxon fucking protestant people and catholics uh, yeah. i think uh, catholic weddings are worse than any but i you, you know, know i've never been to mass, a catholic bro. yeah i've never been to you a gotta catholic go to a wedding. mass you sit in a fucking nasty looking cathedral and it's just awful you have to or sit church, through mass but... and a wedding yes oh it's the worst <laughs> it's the worst are they anyway. just trying to torture people yes um Sorry for all you Catholics out there, but I do mean offense. <laughs> nah. <so. laughs> uh, anyway, uh, the other thing I started, uh, it's our next show on our playlist, is uh, Parenthood. So I'm rewatching that. Um, it's that. It's based on that Steve Martin movie. Um, Ron Howard produced it. It's got like Dax Shepard and the mom from Gilmore Girls, whose name I'm always forgetting. It's based on a movie? Yeah. It's like a movie from the 80s, I think, with Steve Martin called Parenthood. And then they turned it into... It was a comedy. It was like a family comedy. Uh-huh. And they turned it into like a family drama. Ah, uh, like This Is Us. Yes. It, oh, it's the people who did This Is Us. They did this first. This was like the proof of concept, I feel like. Oh, gotcha. Um, Ron Howard was like one of the big producers and directed several episodes. Um, and it's really good. Um, I've watched it all the way through once, but I restarted it. And I just want to talk about the first episode really quick. Okay. It was filmed in like 2008 or so. It's very cringe. It is so cringe. <laughs> the basic, the big plot point reveal, and especially after having just watched Love on the Spectrum and it being 2021 and not 2008, um, the big reveal is that their son, who has had some problematic issues at school and at home and some defiance and just some like weird, quirky stuff, uh, gets a diagnosis of Asperger's, and the parents are like so distraught. And they're, like, telling everybody in the family that there's something wrong with their kid. And they just start crying. And I'm like, this really isn't that tasteful. And it's not very (laughs) empowering. And, like, people with Asperger's are fully capable of watching and understanding television. I mean, there's almost no intellectual disability there. So for you to say to probably at least a few viewers <laughs> that there's something wrong with them is a little bit disturbing and just wrong. So hopefully at the time, the the show doesn't date itself as much as it did in that. Because I'm sure at the time people were probably like, oh, how are they going to deal with that? That's such a, you know, what a hard thing that they're going to have to go through. And it's not like, it never even once takes the perspective of the sun in the episode. It never uh. once like... How would it be like for him to go be going through this? The it's always like, side. yeah, it's always about like the parents, and of course, it is called parenthood. So, uh, but I'm like, mm, guys, you're telling me family now. dramas that probably aired on ABC didn't age well? Is that what you're I telling me? I think it's NBC. Okay, it's NBC. <laughs> okay. okay. Anyway, uh, that's kind of all I did this week. So, if we want to, all right, thing with uh, stuff. Yeah, we can talk about faces. Question mark? I don't know. I don't know which one we can talk about. Uh, I I can talk about faces less because it's kind of weird for me to do a retro review, kind of. So, uh, yeah, I I'll just I'll just clear it, put out on all the tables, whatever that came out plural. (laughs) Everyone, tables. I got something to whack on them. (laughs) Came out plural. Whatever. I'm keeping it. Uh, This is top. 10 mixtapes of all time and it came out the exact right time uh you know back in what 2014 2013 
Can I just hear like a couple others that are on this list of top ten? Uh, like you don't have to know top ten, just like one or two other mixtapes. Yeah, uh, internet tape, uh, uh, acid rap. Um, yeah. Okay. Good yeah, enough. you know, there's a couple. Uh, I'm I'm sure if you gave me just a little more time, I could do it. Yeah, didn't put you on the spot. Yeah, uh, I don't know if ESGN is a mixtape by Freddie Gibbs, but it's up there. If it is, uh, you know, there, there's a there's a lot of mixtape and albums that could you know overlap because I don't know what the which artist which, considers. Yeah, we were all using LimeWire at one point in time. Exactly. So yeah, uh, yeah, instant classic. Uh, it's kind of hard to be unbiased with this review, so I, I tried to be as hard as I could, but it really was just hard. This is a, a great album with a lot of diversity. It's got a it's got a texture to it. That was the best way I could describe it. You know, there's there's just a, there's something it, it it comes off as imperfect. And that only makes it better. It's not as though he was striving to be, you know, note for note, absolute masterpiece of a ballad. But that comes off in such a way that it feels, you know, folky or, you know, like he, self-made. You know what I'm saying? It, it right, feels like, like indie he, almost. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it feels like he put <laughs> the blood, the sweat and the tears, all that. Uh, his, Turns out he did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, his passion. Uh, there are bars for days. It's got a nice flow, uh, just, you know, track flow, so the engineering's tight. It's It's got uh, really good features that don't outweigh max verses or outweigh max great ability. Features. Yeah, some great features. Uh, it's even got some, I would say, cameos, because Schoolboy Q's feature isn't really a feature. Yeah, but... it just... These are my friends. Miller yeah, Mac. Miller Mac. Mac. Miller, <laughs> Miller Mac. <laughs> yeah, so it's got a lot of that and a lot of just n- not nuanced ideas, but uh, just little small touches that really make up this album. And just from song to song, it feels like there's even many themes, you know, because he's got uh, what, what wedding and funeral and all that. And then uh, I, feels- I want to I want to talk just because you, you said the trigger words of that trilogy that song because this is a common theme we talk about in albums and i talked about it in the taylor swift one and i used this as the point of reference so now i'm glad i can bring it back and relate it back to the taylor swift one um yeah it's happy birthday wedding funeral and it's literally like a life arc and happy birthday seems like it should be this happy song where he celebrate his birthday but the whole album's dark and you know very depressed and so of course that song's very dark, very depressed. And then wedding, again, another happy event in one's life, kind of marking the middle of one's real life. If, you know, you exclude the first, like, at least 13 years of your life as a crapshoot that, you know, you hardly remember anyway. And then, um, of course, that's also really dark, depressing, sad. And then funeral, which obviously wraps up, you know, the end of his life and kind of unfortunately looks too well into the future kind of shit. So it's just a crazy good trilogy of songs. And they each are very different in their like music but like really play well into one another i think that's one of my favorite things about the album is that it's like almost perfect track listing um like each song goes into the next so well yeah i I see i was gonna say the uh uh 55 san francisco and colors and shapes they've got kind of kind of nice uh uh I don't know, sonic theme, you know, it feels like they have a couple of the same samples or a couple beats or a couple of drum machines that are similar. So I don't know. You can see a lot of this in this album. Uh, the one negative I will say, I don't like that bonus track. Yeah. 
Really? I don't care for it at all whatsoever. It's cool that it's, you know, Mac I've never heard before from back then, but I don't, it just doesn't fit for me. It kind of threw me out a little See, bit. I ignored it as far as the track listing because I agree it's a terrible placement, one. Very bad. Because grand finale as the finale is yeah. great. Yeah, it's hard to top yeah. a grand finale. As a bonus track at the end, mm. And I think it is pretty good. I don't necessarily know that it fits this album very well, so I think he was right to leave it off, but I do think it's a good song, um, so I disagree with you on that. But I don't think it makes Faces better for it being on there, so I don't know why it's there particularly, but they could have just released it as a single, you know, and just not included it on the Faces re-release. Um, I did want to mention, now that we're going to kind of do a deep dive, if that was like your big overview. Yeah, that, pretty much, um, yeah. I'm a little disappointed, and for anyone who's not listened to it and is just hearing about it being on Spotify or anything for the first time now, listen to it on, like, YouTube or Datpiff or something first yeah. so that you can get the samples that were left off of this. I want to say there were something like 22, 23 samples that were left off this thing, um, which is obviously pretty disappointing. None of them are huge um let's see so it's a bill murray sample it's a couple gummo samples there's a couple charles bukowski and hunter s thompson charlie rose interview ones um a couple more billy or bill murray ones um did they they left off the one where it's talking about it's a woman almost it almost sounds it's not a grandma but it almost sounds like what a grandma would say and it almost it seems like she's reciting a book or poetry because like it says like authority yeah, something like that, but it, it yeah, yeah like I, at the I, end of Color and Shapes, yeah, yeah, that's one, that one, that's a, it's the authority line at the end of Color and Shapes is also missing. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, just a ton of stuff that's missing. So I would recommend listening to that first. The other thing I would say is, um, I just think I can't imagine a better thing, but I'm super like uh, I'm super biased in my opinion here. I think this is, without a doubt, the best mixtape of all time. And only because it hit me at such a perfect time. Like, I can think of very specific memories with each one of these songs, and I've listened to them each thousands of times, like, without question. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't know, Bars for Days, I mean, there's just, like, there's almost too much to talk about that I don't necessarily want to ramble on and on and about it, but how about uh, we go top three songs? Oh, uh, Colors and Shapes, I'm always a sucker for that one because I feel like that's the most, like, out-of-his-realm song on this album. Uh, right, or at least for him at the time. I, I think Circles right. kind of sounds a lot more like Color and Shapes. Yeah, he definitely he definitely uh, steered into that sound, that kind of light pop, light R&B kind of singy song. Uh, yeah, I like that. Malibu, Inside Outside, one of the best first songs ever. Just popping it off with a, a great song. Uh, funeral and grand finale. And I mean, I like all the other ones. It's just like, I, if I had to put the top, those are probably how I would put them. Maybe not in that order per se, but sure. definitely there. How about you? I think for me, I, I mostly, when I really came to like this album, I really liked a lot of like the wordplay shit. I mean, it was around the same time I was really into acid rap. And then I came onto this and I was like, Oh wow, shit. So, I was mostly into bars as opposed to the musicality or anything like that. And the depression shit got me as well, but I just some of the bars. So like things like Diablo, um, Ave Maria. I mean, there's so many bars on Ave Maria alone. 
Uh, yeah, Ave Maria's got some really good ones that I almost it's forgot. So, so clever. Yeah, it's yep. so clever. Um, like an unemployed Macintosh, we lost jobs. Like, it's just yeah. like, there's too many. There's too many. That's after he's talking about let the merry go round. And it's like, oh, <laughs> yes, man. I, I hope yeah. he stole this from somebody because it's too good. It's, it's too, too good. good. It's too good. Yeah. Um, I really like like the energy on polo jeans where he's like, I give no fucks when I go and ask, I smoke dust over dust. Yep. Like that whole intro, I like just, just like, it's like one of those things you could just turn up really loud in your car and just fucking jam out with. Um, I would say Diablo for the bars again and just the perfect sample. I don't know that I know a better sample. Like <clears throat> the horns and the keys on that is like the dun 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 Just, oh God, mm. it's so good. And the flow, I, I, I don't know. And then I really actually, my sleeper one, I think that a lot of people, it goes underappreciated. And I think it's like one of the best Vince Staple verses is Rain. I really, really like Rain. Um, I don't really care for Max Verse actually that much on it anymore. I've just heard it enough times. Um, but the Vince Staples verse I think is just super, super good. I mean, that was you know that was back when Vince was actually putting out things regularly. <laughs> right. You know what happened to that? Uh, how, about, how about least favorite song besides Yeah? Assuming that this is OG oh, phases. Uh, <laughs> you know Yeah was kind of the only one that I really didn't care for. I even like fifty five as I said before, and that's what a uh, a one minute yeah. interlude yeah. kind of thing. So I yeah. haven't liked that. I would say if I had to put a least favorite, uh, Angel Dust maybe. And that's not even really? that's not even like I hate it at all. It's just it's, you're not your favorite. If I had to rank it, yeah, Angel Dust, and uh, you know I'm looking. I really like Uber with Mike Jones. Uh, Mike Jones. <laughs> Uh, Insomniac's kind of just cliche. Insomniac's Mine's a little Insomniac. cliche. I think if it just didn't have Rick Ross on it, I would have been very fine with it. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's because cool. it's cliche. I think it's cliche without Rick Ross as well. But I think this is literally like he was like, "What if we did like a song like with Rick Ross?" And this is like the exact song you could imagine with that in mind. Yeah, uh, it seems so. played out even by then standards. Uh, you know, I I will say it is a lot to listen to. It's a hour and a it's half. A, it's a long project, and that's without sure. all the samples. That's without yeah, probably that's without yeah, like at least a good six minutes or so of was, yeah yep. movie sounds and interview sounds, which are very worth listening to on the first listen all the way through because. It really is like, basically, the I, I don't know, I, I, we can rewind, this should have been on the intro to the album, but, you know, he was recording this at a time where he just moved to LA, he got this big house, and he had like his own personal studio in his house, he was in the basement, and it was like a dark fucking dungeon, and it's like on his TV show, actually, if you ever watched, um, what was it called? Fucking... <laughs> I forget it's a uh, thing every time until you mention it or somebody just mentions it offhand. It's like Mac Miller and the Most Dope Family or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it's called, but, um, you know, super drugged out, like, you know, doing coke or sipping lean, like, literally every day. Would trap himself for hours and stay up for, like, literally 72 hours just making beats and hanging out with the homies. People were always in and out of the house. And so what they would do was they were listening to a ton of music obviously and then watching movies and you know he talks about it in an earlier album and titles the album after it but like in the studio what they would do him and one of his um engineers germ would just turn on movies without the sound and just like have shit on in the background and so they would like get distracted by the movie or something and then turn on the sound and like that's how like gummo came on is like they were just fucking tripping balls one day and like 
saw this weird-ass movie that someone had turned on because of a recommendation, and he was, like, fell in love with it. So there's just, like, a bunch of these weird little things, and, like, they'd get on these YouTube binges, and that's how the Charlie Rose and Hunter S. Thompson interview came up, and, like, the Charles Bukowski, which I think makes that song Wedding for me. Um, So, I don't know, there's just a ton of really interesting, like, Mac lore tied to this album for me that I think makes it so, so good. Anyway. That's enough of that. Yeah, uh, I I do. I think my last my last thing is my bias gonna come out. This album's so damn depressing. Postmortem, like Jesus, it's it's really hard to listen to if you're just. I was yeah. This is personal. Uh, I was really depressed last week. I was like <laughs> yeah. something about the change in season or something, and then I realized this album this kicked album. it off. Oh yeah, this album because I would listen to this album and I was like, oh right. This is why I don't listen to this album. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was definitely a good reminder. Uh, and it really just solidified the fact that I may not listen to this album anytime soon. You know, I will someday. I will again. But uh, tomorrow, I don't know. I don't think so. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah so I, I will say that. But do you want to give it a score? Um, I'll try to give a biased score and an unbiased score. Unbiased mm. score... Or my score first, 10, wow. without question, 10. This is my favorite Mac Miller project. He's my favorite artist. It would be wrong to give it not a 10. That's fair. Um, <clears throat> that being said, unbiased, this is probably like a solid 8, maybe 8.5, eight, just realistically speaking. I mean, it's a little dated. Some of the production does sound like it's just a dude in his fucking basement, and turns out that's all it was. Um, it was a mixtape, so there was no, like, super-duper studio engineers in and out. Like, he did have his homies that were his engineers, but they were mostly just making music that they wanted to put out for free. So they weren't like really trying to make it sellable. They were trying to make it sound good. And right. so there's like, you know, the record scratchiness of it that um, I think could bring it down a little bit nowadays. And then there's some good features, but I don't think these features hold up to today's standards of what people get on for features. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> A big rapper now, like, let's say, Drake, future Young Thug, has pretty much every fucking other rapper that's relevant out on their shit. Like, the only one who doesn't really do that is probably J. Cole. For you some know, he reason. does collabs. Yeah, for some reason. But he's, like, always just wants just him. Whereas, like, Kendrick will at least have, like, all of TDE somewhere on his shit. So, um, yeah, not like, Earl Sweatshirt, great, but not really relevant. Sir, uh, fucking, what is it, Michael Rocks? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, he's like, that's dropped off the face of the earth. Schoolboy Q, big, but all he does is say Mac Miller's name a million times. Rick Ross, kind of big, but not so much anymore. Was huge at the time, so that was kind of a big one back then. So, yeah, all in all, I, I go, eh. Uh, probably like see, an eight. Yeah, well, I eight wanted five. to give it an eight to a nine, so... Yeah, okay, eight, five. I said eight, 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 five. eight, five. Yeah, eight, five. Uh, yeah, eight, five. This is a great mixtape, and, and both of our top ten mixtapes of all time, but... We try to give you an unbiased critical experience over here at the Worst Critics, okay? You know, oh. screw the biases. We're not going to give this a 10 out of 10, even though it pretty much is. Uh, <laughs> unofficially, pretty much is. Yeah, but, unofficial uh, 10 out of 10. Yeah, 8.5 out of 10, Mac Miller's re-release of Faces. And on to Dennis Villeneuve's Dune remake sort of i guess not really a remake but based on a book based yeah. on the same book that a movie was based on in the past so yeah um, do you want to yeah, Dennis Villeneuve yeah um 
I have so much to say. Seeing it on a big screen made it more enjoyable for me. Mm. I never read the source material, so I can't speak on it too much, but my one-sentence summary would be, this must feel like when someone just jumps into Star Wars, like episode seven or eight, and other people are telling, trying to convince them that it's good, and yeah. they just go, sure, it's sci-fi. That's what this felt like. I was yeah. like, what happened in this movie? Why did I care? Why is it part one of three? Uh, like, it's wow. a long book, or a long series of books, but I was like, did anything happen? Like, I barely care about Timothy Chalamet's character, and all the other characters were, like, super irrelevant. <laughs> That's a so. see that my it's not my problem with them this movie. I just think it's very obvious from watching this movie that unlike a lot of other directors and writers and all that producers what what have you, this assumes that you've read Dune. Just one hundred percent assumes you've read Dune. Yeah, it does have the labels for the settings and stuff, but there's just there's so many little things that you feel like you're missing because you haven't read Dune, you know, and you can't really 100% judge what's original and what's actually, oh man, that's a really clever homage to the book, you know, you know, simple stuff like that. Uh, So it definitely assumes you've seen or read some of Dune, or at least know the Dune's Dune's plot. Uh, But I will say, this is the most prequel feeling movie that we've watched maybe on this podcast. Because it was all set up, all exposition, all like, hey, next time on Dune, you know, Uh, it felt like a DBZ intro thing to the real episode. Felt very Batman Begins like, you know, where it's it's setting up a nice Batman universe, but the movie itself isn't the greatest piece of movie or piece of cinema that you've ever seen. I, you know, I, uh. It comes off as stilted sometimes, even though I I really dig what it's trying to do. I love the design, the aesthetic, all the costume design, the set pieces. All that was dope. It looked, dope. It looked and sounded great. Um, and again, props to Hans Zimmer for once again doing his thing. Hans Zimmer, man. <laughs> but I think this suffers from like three or four things, and I'll dissect each one of those individually, but I want one more big picture summary thing, is that my biggest qualm is the thing I said. It just doesn't really do anything for me, and it was two and a half hours of my time. Yeah. And again, you didn't pay money for this. I paid money for this, though. And I went, I feel like I paid $10 to tell someone I would pay $20 in the future. (laughs) That's pretty good, honestly. That's that's how I felt, because I was like, it was interesting enough that I'll see it out. Like, I'm going to watch the other Dune movies. They're at least well shot enough and well produced enough that I'm engaged but by the end of it i went why did i spend like it's almost better to just wait like lord of the rings comes out each one of those movies you want to watch because it's its own standalone movie that's good all three of them boom 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 yeah i I will see fellowships like i'm saying not right now you don't really want to watch fellowship you just want to watch fucking return of the king and the good ones yeah yeah, jerk yourself up (laughs) Um, or watch, you know, the big fight sequence. Two Towers, too, but, maybe? Yeah. But otherwise, this feels like, why not just wait and do, like, an all-day binge of all three of them? Like, that's what this is going to turn into for me, and, like, that's the only reason you would watch Fellowship at this point now, too, or, like, any of the Hobbits, I would guess. Um, right. So I'm like, I just really committed myself to spending ten more dollars two more times, 
and I won't really get it until the third one. I'm just like, why am I bothering? Like, it just was a little annoying. Um, so to go into the nitty-gritty real quick, it suffers from the big current movie thing of they have to just get so many big-named actors and actresses that are in everything. Why is Zendaya in this? Why is Jason Momoa in this? Those two characters were good characters, and they did well. But at no point did I not think, is that Spider-Man's girlfriend and is that Aquaman? Yeah. Uh, well, Zendaya's part, I didn't really... It was as if she wasn't in the movie. She just was there. Does that make sense? Because oh, Dave Batista. Oh, uh, you know, I feel like he he's they're setting up Batista for the next one. You know, sure, I, I think they did I'm a lot of groundwork. Why is the actor. I don't care about the character. I'm not talking about the character. These aren't character critiques. These are actor critiques. Mm, okay. I don't like that these actors are in it because it detracts from my movie going experience. Like, unless you're super captivating as an actor, which none of those three are. No offense to them. Like, Oscar Isaac could yeah. really play that role. So, I mean, he's a great actor. And I didn't think for a moment that that was Oscar Isaac. We Jason need, Momoa uh, is Jason fucking Momoa. You know, it's like if the fucking Rock or Kevin Hart was in this movie. That's how I feel like when any one of those three show up on screen. Well, see, I mean, I, I don't think I 100% agree with those. I, I'm more of a, why is Josh Brolin in this movie? Because his, his character felt, him. felt so wooden and just not there that it's weird that you even bothered to get Josh Brolin. But, you know, I guess that's just me or whatever. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, what were the other two aspects? Or um, <clears throat> I guess I thought maybe, and again, I haven't read the book, so I don't know, but I felt like a lot of the tech was a little bit lackluster. Like, it almost was like, I mean, of course, space opera is the proper word, but it almost felt like Star Wars is Space Cowboys plus Knights, but it feels futury. This felt like a little, it's like ancient modern or ancient future tech. You know what I mean? Like ancient civilization has these weird, unexplained flying pyramids. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're like, well, that's cool, but why? How? What? You know? So, like, when the people came down in the little pod and. Felt very Prometheus. Yes, yes. Like, I want it to feel Star Wars-y, Star Trek-y future. And the themes and the more, like, grandiose, dramatic setting can totally be there. I'm fine with that. But the tech just felt a little boring. Like, the little wasp thing with the needle uh, that was trying to kill him. I was like, I oh, don't care about that at all. I thought you were talking about the Thropters. No, I was not talking about the Thropters. <laughs> Love that term. But, I hope that's in the book. It probably is, right? I would, I would assume so. I just, I just, the Thropters was really good. Uh, um, yeah. and then the the last one was, I know it's set up. I know I haven't read the book, but the Jedi mind trickery voodoo lady Magic. witchcraft shit. He's yeah. the one. He's Chosen Jesus. One. Yep. Yeah. Not my favorite. Not my favorite. I'm like, is it cool? Do they do it well? Sure and sure. Is it the most worn-out trope of all time? Yes. Yes. Is it literally the oldest story ever told? Yes. Uh, yeah, I have a theory that if this movie didn't have the scenes with the uh, the Harkonnens, you know, the big Baron Harkon and the uh, Jarkaroth, the blood sacrifice chanting, monk chanting guys, 
if it didn't tatooine the movie no well no okay well it sort of was but (laughs) if it didn't have those two things it would have just been a ya movie you know yeah it feels like this is a ya movie for slightly older adults and uh that's that's not a huge negative college adult movie (laughs) yeah college adult movie it's not a huge negative to it but it just feels like it's perfecting a formula that i don't really care for you know uh it because again it was just it was all set up it was all prequel all uh i don't know it it felt like it felt very space opera e you know just the definition of it rather than trying to expand the, the unfortunate thing is it set that precedent you know what i mean it made that i'm sure the book did yeah yeah oh yeah for sure I can't hate it for it being exactly what it is, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's, it's Citizen Kane. It's Citizen Kane. I don't know it's if it's Kane. Citizen Kane. I don't think it's I mean, that it's not bad. As bad. I'm, no, I'm not saying it's as bad. I'm saying it's the same situation. Citizen Kane made all the tropes that I hated in Citizen right. Kane. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen yeah. them all now, and I've seen them better. So, yeah. sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the movie itself just felt very vapid. Whereas the whole universe, you pull out the SAT words. Thank dude. you. The whole universe and the the uh, just I don't know the mythos and the the universe and all of its story and all of its lore and its settings. I absolutely adore all that. But again, the movie's just kind of meh. You know, I could move on with my life without ever seeing this again. Uh, even though I did you, say, did you say middling. No. Okay. I mean, it is kind of middling. Though. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's cool. And I do think this has me excited for Dune 2. I think Dune 2 could be amazing with this groundwork, but that doesn't make Dune, Dune 1 2? better. Is that the official title? It's going to be Dune Part 2. Ugh. Well, because Dune opens up with Dune colon Part 1. So I would assume it's just going to be called Part I know, 2. But I know. But. Which is ballsy to call any movie part one. Like, Jesus, guys. <laughs> Have we never about, learned? <laughs> about titling it episode four. Uh, okay, it wasn't titled episode four at the get-go. That was later after he made episode one. That's when he started t- titling episode four, five, and six. Uh, that's for home release shit. But, yeah, I don't know. You want to give it a score? It's kind of hard, I feel like. Same, same here. I have like a six to an eight because there's... Uh- I was thinking, I was thinking five to eight because I could really be torn down and I could tear it down, and I could really be like, did it really do anything egregious, or am I just finding fault in something that I don't like but isn't bad? Yeah, uh, I just want a Harkonnen movie and not personal. Just give me a Harkonnen movie. I think that would have been way cooler than what we got instead of YA story, Jesus story, uh, well, White thinking, Savior. I, I don't know exactly what their plan is with this ip or anything um who knows after we get a second one it's like like if right like if two like if one does well enough two is post-covid enough that it can make a zillion dollars and then you know three or more or spinoffs happen like a harkonnen thing could be down the road which would be great but i just don't know how much of this world they're really trying to explore versus like just do the source material justice i don't know I mean, it's Warner, so <laughs> I, I don't whatever, think that's... Whatever pays, whatever pays the bills. <laughs> yeah, it's the same people who wanted to turn Dark Knight into the DC universe. So it's 
it's really anyone's guess. I I really think it falls on Dune too. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I think it falls on to Dune too. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if it opens it up, I think there are like four or five Dune books, so they have plenty of source material to you know make mini series and I forget someone. We went to the movies with a few people, and someone was like reading the wiki plots of all the books afterwards because they'd never read the books and they were like this first movie doesn't even get to like i forget like book two i don't think so it's like i don't think this is all book one that's what i just said that that's the exact same sentence get to book two gotcha 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 (laughs) okay yeah i don't i I think this is part one of dune book one so yes i'm just like what in the world like ha ha i just don't how many dunes are we gonna get? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Dune two will literally, I think, be the make or break point if it makes money or not. Uh, I have heard the book series kind of tumbles down to the end because the author died before he could finish, and his son took over. And apparently, his son's stories are a little different than his dad's. So, yeah, we could be in for a fun, I don't know, five or six movies or something. But. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. A seven? Does a seven sound okay? A six five. Six five? Yeah, we can call it a six five. With, I just want to reiterate that Dune two. I'm kind of, I'm very excited for because of this. But yeah. that's that's why I'm sick. <sighs> Fuck. Let's do seven. Let's do seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's do seven because it does. It barely passes, and the six five is barely failing. And I do want to say it barely failed, but it really did fine, so. It was a movie. You know, had it's some fine. stuff. It's watchable. If you have the money and the time, you should watch it. But... Or just go on HBO Max, because why not? Uh, yeah, but a 7 out of 10 from The Worst Critics. We will see you next week on episode 53, where we will be reviewing Equal Sign by Ed Sheeran. And called Equals. No, it's Equal Sign by Ed Sheeran. Okay. And Wes Anderson's newest outing, The French Dispatch. This has been episode 52. I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pina. And we're out of here. <laughs>